Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you all. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers could get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Visit uscellular.com for terms and restrictions. Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and it's my pleasure to be with you this evening. Our phone number, 833-482-5337-833, the number four, my last name, Valdez. And you can get me on all of the social media, at Rich Valdez with an S, where you, wherever you uh, want to chime in and um, say something. Now, I want to get into some breaking news. This happened just a little while ago. The United States House of Representatives, uh, to my surprise, honestly, I wasn't sure how well this was going to go, but it went pretty well, has passed the debt ceiling bill by an overwhelming majority, even among Republicans. The final vote is 314 to 117. There were 71 Republicans who did vote against the bill, which is pretty significant, right? 71 of them. And uh, we got a clip of audio on that. Listen to this. Yeas are 314, the nays are 117. The bill is passed. Now that the debt uh, ceiling bill has cleared the House, it's going to go to the Senate where Republicans uh, like Mike Lee and Rand Paul are going to keep it from passing in its current form, right? This is where this last bit of negotiation is going to happen. But some suspect that just like in the House, enough senators from both parties will pass the bill and then it'll go right to Biden to sign it. So we're going to see what happens there. But that's likely what's going to happen. Now, uh, Roll Call is reporting that the Republicans that voted against the bill are, let's see, Representatives Alfred Biggs, Bishop, Boast, Rasheen, Buchanan, Buck, Burchett. Is that Burkett? I'm not sure. Burleson, Kamek, Carter from Texas. Klein, Cloud, Clyde, Collins, Crane, DeJarlis, or DeJarlay, Donalds, Fallon, Finstad, Fishback, Fry, Folker, Gates, Tony Gonzalez, Good from Virginia, Gooden from Texas, Gosar, Griffith, Guest, Hageman, Harris, Harshberger, Hearn, Higgins, Hunt, Jackson, LaHood, Lesko, Luna, from Miami. I'm actually just outside of Miami. Luttrell, Mace, Mann, Mast, McCormick, Miller from Illinois, Mills, Mooney, Moore from Alabama, 
Moran, Norman, Ogles, Palmer, Perry, Posey, Rose, Rosendale, Roy, Santos, Self, that's Santos, as in George Santos, voted against the debt ceiling bill. <clears throat> I haven't seen him in a while. Self, Sessions, Sparts, Stuby, Strong, Tiffany, Timmons, Van Drew, Van Dyne, Waltz, Weber from Texas, and Zinke. So those are the 71 members. I read them all just so that you would know who stood up for America. I don't mean, I, I, I'm not that guy, right? And uh, I try to be clear about that. I don't hate the other ones that voted for this bill. But I, I always clap for the underdog. I always clap for the guy that's doing his best. Because I think this is what has to be done for the American people. Right? If, if they're doing it for us, who's doing it? This isn't a direct democracy where we get to vote on, on bills and debt ceilings. Sometimes, you know, I, I get these ideas and I think, man, wouldn't it be cool if it was? But it's not. And I, not that I want it to be. I, you know, I respect what the founders created. I think our system of representative democracy um, in a constitutional republic is an excellent system. One, you know, uh, that is complex and it doesn't always give us the result that we want, but is one that works and works far better than many other systems. So that's the, the story on that. Another story I want to share with you, and this is an interesting one, is that of, uh, I mentioned it yesterday where the Chinese are kind of acting up again, going at us in a, in a new and different way, you know, a little bit more aggressive when the Chinese fighter jet was caught on video intercepting a U.S. aircraft over the South China Sea. And uh, many are saying this is unnecessarily aggressive. So I want to get into that a little bit later. We'll talk about that with our guest, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, who's going to join us. But it's just... Uh, you know, now we're not talking about China posturing. We're talking about them actually being aggressive towards the United States. This is a, a, a break from, what are they called, weather balloons or hacking or anything like that. This is in your face like a can of mace, right? This is the real deal. So I think, um, and again, not that the other isn't the real deal. That's just their unrestricted warfare. Now they're using traditional, um, you know, build up to warfare. I don't know if that's ever coming. Right. I, I don't. I have no uh, reason to believe that China is going to attack the United States, you know, militarily. And I don't think they need to because they've got us so well. Right. With with guys like Biden doing so much of their dirty work for them, whether wittingly or unwittingly. And that's me being fair and generous to Biden. Joe El Baboso Biden, as he's known here on this program. But it's, it's a shame. It's a shame. And I, I never want to let that uh, escape us. <clears throat> now, there's also uh, a story that uh, has come out on the settlement of vaccine mandates, um, that case and um, and the involvement with the teachers union. I'm going to just put that out there for now because I want to get to that a little bit later on. I think that's a very important topic. So we're going to talk about China a lot tonight because I think China is on the move uh, very aggressively and we have to get to that. We also have to... Um, have discussions on everything that, in my opinion, matters. There's a lot uh, to discuss. Excuse me, I'm slightly distracted because I'm trying to keep an eye on the, the breaking news here. Um, but, you know, it makes a lot of sense to me why so many people are deciding to leave places that don't work well, right? And they just happen to be, in many situations, blue states. And and so many uh, red states are bearing the brunt of of all of this exodus from these blue states. You know, you got people that are 
pouring in to Tennessee, pouring into Texas, pouring into Florida, pouring into Idaho. I know a woman who um, left uh, California for Idaho. She um, sends me messages quite often. Really nice woman uh, who um, was a listener to the show. And now she's got a big ranch, her and her husband. She's always inviting me. She's like, yeah, bring your kids. It's great over here. And, you know, they're just living it up uh, very rustic on this beautiful ranch. And, again, because California is a beautiful place, but they just couldn't uh, deal with Gavin Newsom and his restrictive policies. And I think this is ultimately what happens to so many people. And, of course, you hear people say, look, look, it's okay. You can you leave your blue state, come to our red state. But just don't bring your, your voting pattern or your, your blue state values. And I, I always say to that, good luck. Good luck getting somebody to leave, you know, their, their blueness behind in their blue state. Now, I don't mean you can't let people in. Look, that's not up to you, right? States are open. People move all the time. That's part of our liberty. But the expectation to even think that that might change is, um, is a, all I'll say is good luck, right? Good luck. The people that are that are leaving don't like it. And maybe they'll find something they, they like better and go, well, you know what? Things are better here. All right, let's let's vote differently. Maybe. Maybe that's the case. But in, in many situations, I tend to look at it like a cynic, like excuse me, like a cynic. And and as and in in the most cynical way, I would look at that and say, hmm, how do you think you get guys like um, Jared, Jared Polis elected or guys like Beta O'Rourke elected? Is it all these native Texans? That, that that elect them, or is it a lot of transplants that come in from other blue states that start to infect their new blue state neighbors? That's what I think. That You combine that with college towns and young people that have been through the uh, indoctrination mill, and voila, you've got yourself a, a Democrat elected in office and a very blue neighborhood. Anyway, more to come straight ahead. We're going to discuss... This uh, China aggression. Also, what's going on with Christopher Ray and the FBI? Chuck Grassley released a new memo. We're going to discuss that as well with Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. Straight ahead. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And a Chinese vessel has been suspected of looting a wrecked World War II battleship. This was um, detained by Malaysia in the South China Sea. Interesting, right? So this large Chinese registered barge was detained by Malaysian authorities after it was found carrying massive piles of steel and ship parts as well as old artillery shells believed to have been looted from a pair of British battleships that they were uh, wrecked during World War II. The Malaysian Coast Guard initially detained the vessel, uh, a large bulk carrier ship uh, that was there because they were illegally anchored in Malaysian water in the South China Sea. Since then, they've opened an investigation with police and 
after the artifacts and materials were found on board, they said, voila, you guys are, uh, you know, looting over here. It's suspected the metal was stripped from the nearby wrecks of the Repulse and the HMS Prince of Wales, two ships that sunk um, by uh, Japanese torpedoes back in 1941, just days after the attack on Pearl Harbor. So these attacks killed 842 soldiers, and the shipwrecks have since been uh, designated as war graves. Now, why am I talking about sunken battleships? Uh, Well, mainly because China was looting the ship, and China is always up to no good, right? I mean, this is really, um, in my opinion, one of the crazy things that that happens on a regular basis is whatever China's doing. They're always doing something that they shouldn't be doing. Anyway, I saw this story. Um, and it's a Chinese fighter jet was caught on video intercepting a U.S. aircraft over the South China Sea. And the report is that it was unnecessarily aggressive. So I said, hmm, you know, I can't always believe everything I hear. I got to always bring in my interpreters, right? I bring in a team of experts here and um, to find out what the bottom line here is. Then we also hear about this woman, Tara Reid. And her involvement in accusing Joe Biden of sexual assault and whatnot. And today or yesterday, she announces, uh, you know what? I don't feel safe in America. I'm defecting to Russia of all places. So I want to get to the bottom of that maybe in the next segment. But right now, I want to bring in Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, uh, president of the London Policy Foundation, as well as the um, 2020 National Security Advisor for Trump's campaign, Colonel, welcome, sir. Hey, it's always great to join you, Rich. Thanks for having me. You bet. So a lot going on in the world of international yeah. affairs. And I said, I got to call my favorite spy and find out what's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about this fighter jet. To me, this is China taunting yeah. us. Or are they just really, really uh, badass? And that's how they roll. What say you? This has been going on since I was an active operative. I, I actually got called into the Pentagon in uh, 2000. And it, 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 there was, a, at the time, a t- top-secret uh, encounter where a uh, Chinese jet had put, uh, basically buzzed one of our uh, electronic surveillance aircraft. The, the guy flew almost, I mean, literally, just outside the window and put up some sort of paper, like a web address. And this is, uh, this is 23 years ago. And wow. that same guy, about two weeks later then, did the same thing and touched the, uh, the wing of the plane. He went, and he went in, and if you recall this incident, the P-3 was able to survive but had to put down and was captured, captured by the Chinese for uh, several weeks. So this is just more of the same 23 years on now. So it's, it, it is aggressive. I think it wasn't as aggressive, obviously, as that incident where the, the MiG-29 or the MiG fighter that they had uh, touched the wing of our aircraft and crashed. But uh, clearly, I saw the video of what you're talking about, and yeah, it was aggressive. These guys were flown right, flown right in front of the uh, the aircraft in international airspace, and it was meant to send a message. So yeah, it's it it is aggressive. Yeah. Now, I, I just want to make note here that this was a J-16 fighter pilot um, flying one of the People's Republic of China's airplanes, uh, right. a jet, and um, intercepting a U.S. Air Force RC-135 aircraft. So it wasn't right. like it was a drone or, well, by accident, it was a spy balloon. No. This is a fighter plane. Yeah, and again, uh, it wasn't a, a 135. It was a P-3 variant, an air, a, a prop airplane that 
this incident I mentioned happened 23 years ago, but it did. No, I'm happen. talking about the one that happened to, today. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying, but yeah. I'm saying, yeah. Right this back was a, then. Yeah, the, East, the 135 is a much more sophisticated uh, platform. It's a basically it's a modified Boeing 7, 707. It's a jet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a, and this is one of our most sophisticated. Uh, well-used surveillance aircraft. And again, Rich, it was an international airspace. So this was clearly a provocation. And they knew they knew we'd be talking about it. And, right, and we, we should be talking about it because this was meant to send a message. Right, and I, I find it interesting. You know, nobody's um, pretending or lying on our side, at least from what I can tell. That this, this RC-135, this is a spy plane, right? It's labeled a spy right. plane in, in the news. Uh, nobody's making any bones about it. But when China's spying on us and not, you know, outside of our airspace, but right inside of our our airspace with their balloon, their weather balloon, their whatever balloon, um, there's all sorts of stories. No, it isn't. It's not ours. It's this. It's that. And then, of course, they shoot down a bunch of other balloons that, you know, may not have been anybody's balloons (laughs) just to save face. Uh, At least that's how it seemed to me. Uh, What? Why? Why is this the case? Why? Why do they? um, Is it just necessary for them to lie? Why can't they say, oh, my gosh. That was something we used for surveillance. We didn't mean for it to go over there. My bad. Um, I basically would term it as woke foreign policy. And and this is what, what it is. It, basically, it's to apologize and pretend somehow that being nice to someone who has stated that they are your adversary, they're going to challenge you, somehow uh, being nice to them and pretending that, that it's not happening is the policy. Um, I've done a number of interviews over the past month Rich, which focuses on the fact that the Chinese have stated in their military doctrine, military teachings, uh, actually bragged over the weekend about taking out a facsimile of uh, of the uh, USS George Washington, I believe it was, saying that they now have uh, hypersonic weapons that can take out our carriers. These are all things which they very clearly have stated that they are going to dominate the Pacific. Uh, the policy of this administration, the Biden administration, is to be completely passive and frankly, uh, they put people who are politically motivated and loyal, that is to say they are progressive politicians first and technical and strategic experts second. And that's why you have serial failures like Afghanistan, like the issues relating to Ukraine. That's why you see every foreign policy uh, policy in place is failing, because that is they have people who just don't understand how to deal with aggression. And so that's what you see on display here with the Chinese. And Joe Biden actually said a few few days ago, I think it was last week in the G7, that he felt there was going to be, quote unquote, a thaw. There's not going to be there's going to be no thaw between the Chinese and the United States. And Biden knows it. But again, they pretend uh, otherwise. And things like this happen right on the tail of when Biden said, oh, everything's going to thaw. Well, it's not going to thaw. As a matter of fact, I think we're going into a very deep freeze where. Uh, it's going to become more and more apparent the Chinese will intend to use military force within the next five years to take Taiwan if they can't find out, figure out a way to get it otherwise. But I do believe that's where everything is going right now. All right, folks, we're on with Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer from the London uh, Policy Institute, and he's sticking with us for another segment. We're going to continue our discussion. I want to talk about somebody that's starting to look like a spy to me, somebody who's saying they're defecting to Russia. What's going on here with Tara Reid and Biden and all that stuff? Anyway, she was on Sputnik News, and uh, we're going to get to the bottom of it straight ahead. Give me a call, 833-482-5337. It's Tony Schaefer and Rich Valdez, and we're coming right back. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, U.S. cellular customers. I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like y'all. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers could get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Visit uscellular.com for terms and restrictions. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, our guest, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. Uh, you guys know Tony Schaefer was the national security advisor to candidate Trump's, uh, excuse me, President Trump's uh, 2020 campaign. And I want to uh, get into this, this story about the woman that accused Biden of sexual assault. Her name is Tara Reid. She um, has defected the United States. She's now in Moscow. She's in Russia because she was concerned about her safety. Colonel, I want you to listen to what Tara Reid had to say. I only know that when I got off the plane in Moscow for the first time in a very long time, I felt safe and I felt heard and I felt respected. And that has not happened in my own country. Now, she didn't stop there. And, and uh, Colonel, bear with me, because I want you to hear what Tara Reid had to say, because I, I find it so fascinating that she feels safer in Russia as if, um, you know, I don't know, as if the Russians are better at protecting people than we are. And maybe they are. And that's why I want you to weigh in. But I want to give uh, the context for the audience to hear of, of what she had to say. Listen to this. I did talk to U.S. Congressman Matt Gates. I have not concealed anything. I told him I was in Moscow, Russia, and I told him why. And he said something very stunning. I am considered a whistleblower, as you know, in the United States. One of the cases I will be testifying is about how the DOJ and the FBI has weaponized by the Biden administration against its own citizens. So he said, Tara, you know, I'm worried about your physical safety in the United States. As a U.S. citizen, to hear a U.S. congressman basically say they couldn't protect me in a whistleblower case is stunning. Now, Colonel, tell me what, what, what you make of this, because, I mean, we've heard all sorts of things. There were the FBI whistleblowers uh, uh, last week. We uh, now have Christopher Ray, the FBI director, being held in contempt. Uh, there's nothing but evidence that um, probably some of your former colleagues that are spooks as well are, are running the show at the FBI, doing whatever they feel like doing for whomever they feel like doing it for. And 
it's all against American people and against the Constitution and against all the nice, you know, uh, I don't know, donuts and ponies that we all believe in as we as Americans. And and, and it's all crumbling down as we watch it. Maybe that's my hyperbole. What say you? No, you're right. So, uh, look, none of my friends are left there. I've been undercover three separate times and three separate very different operations with the FBI. Everybody I worked with are long since retired, and I think they recognize what you do about the, the rot within the Bureau. Let's start with Tara, Tara Reid. First, um, to give a little history, she actually came forward with these allegations during the Me Too movement, and because they were against a prominent Democrat, she was ignored. So, a number of my uh, former left friends have uh, left the left uh, because of, of people like Tara coming forward saying, hey, I was abused and then being ignored. So, you know, that kind of removed any credibility of the Me Too move because I think her allegations were credible. Regarding the whistleblower issue, look, Matt, uh, the, the whole thing with Matt Gates and, and what she was saying about her being a whistleblower, I kind of get that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Rich, I was a whistleblower and they told me the same thing. Uh, Speaker of the House, Denny Hastert, had to personally ask me to testify because basically if you get in, if, no matter uh, what they say about protections, there's no protections. Uh, and if the, you, you know, you're putting your life on the line if you're going up against powerful men. So that, that indeed I think is a concern. I just don't, I don't think she had to run to Russia. I think there's other things she could have done, but right. uh, she made a pretty big point. And I, I find it curious that John Kirby who I know uh, he's the currently the spokesman for the National Security Council, made a big point to point out how, you know, gee, this is really inappropriate. Anytime the White House comments on something, I always believe that it's appropriate because, you know, the moment they, they chime in, it's on their mind. So the fact that John Kirby brought this up as an issue today tells me there's some, there's some smoke there, uh, maybe even a little fire, because the next point of what you said Uh, There's ample evidence, uh, especially today, we finally got confirmation from the FBI, finally confirmed the existence of that document relating to Joe Biden and the the so-called bribery scheme that uh, he's been accused of. So at this point, Rich, I don't know who could be trusted within the Department of Justice, within the FBI or the White House. I actually have been on the phone speaking or actually met face to face with one and talked to the other today two former attorney, U.S. attorney generals about mm-hmm. these issues. And I can tell you there is great concern by uh, by these men. I don't feel comfortable bringing up their names, but people could probably That's figure fine. out who they are based on my history and who I've, I've spoken to. But I can tell you from meeting with both, of, you know, from talking to both of these men, uh, the, the fact that Merrick Garland has lied to Congress, has obviously completely uh, ignored obvious uh, credible allegations of wrongdoing and bribery. Uh, that is something that every American, no matter what party you're in, should be concerned about at this point. Right. And I'm looking at a memo put out today by Chuck Grassley uh, saying yeah. that, you know, uh, and this is uh, as a follow up to what uh, Chairman Comer got out of the uh, Oversight Committee. And there's a quote here. It says, while the FBI has apparently leaked classified information to the news media in recent weeks, jeopardizing its own human sources, it continues to treat Congress like second-class citizens by refusing to provide a specific unclassified record. Director Ray confirmed what my whistleblowers have told me. Pursuant to legally protected disclosures, the FBI-generated document is real. But the Bureau has yep. yet to provide it to Congress in, the, in defiance of a legitimate congressional subpoena this failure comes with consequences. So they have the proof. The proof is the whistleblower saying, I saw Biden taking bribes. 
And and they're like, oh, we don't know what you're talking about. With that form, we use that with informants. You can't use it. It's not even credible. Come on. What are you talking about? Turns out it's real, right? And it's always been real. <laughs> and I, I'm just I'm, I'm amazed. And let me answer this for me because I think everybody wants sure. to know. Do we live in a third world country that's just dressed <laughs> up like a superpower? And have we always done that? Or or is this a new thing that America's dressing in drag as a as a uh, banana republic? You know, Rich, I think it started uh, after World War II, uh, and uh, Eisenhower and his final speech warned us about it, about this military-industrial con- congressional uh, complex. And he did mention mm-hmm. Congress in his speech, and people tend to forget that. And what you've seen is the establishment of the permanent bureaucracy within the government, what is also a.k.a. the deep state. And what happens and because I get this question, you know, I do talks all the time and I guess, what is the deep state? Well, the deep state is that permanent bureaucracy, which was essentially formed, as, as Eisenhower defined it, the military industrial congressional complex, which kind of feeds on America taxpayer dollars that we pay in. And uh, obviously the debt ceiling, uh, those those monies go to any number of programs, which enrich a lot of folks. So that's what we see. And so the people who are most apt politically to align with the deep state are the left because the left has no interest in following the law. They uh, don't believe the constitution is a, is a permanent document. It's fungible. It could be changed. It could be moved. And so that's why that's a, there's a natural link. I would basically say between the deep state and the Democrats because they feed off each other. And, you know, look, I took an oath of office. I testified to wrongdoing that I observed and, um, you know, it's a tough position to be in because, Rich, a lot of people do feel that we are obligated to defend the Constitution, to live up to our oath of office. And uh, a lot of people don't. And I think Chris Ray doesn't uh, care about his oath of office. He's a politician uh, first, a uh, FBI supervisor second. And uh, that's unfortunately where we're at. So it's been growing. And I think it's just more obvious now than it ever was before because you have um, a president who is completely corrupt in office. And, uh, you know, the old uh, Japanese saying, fish rots from the head. And that's what we're seeing. Disgusting. Uh, I don't know what to say anymore. <laughs> I really don't. Yeah. I turn to you for hope, sir. Anyway, folks, we're on with well, Lieutenant I, Colonel Tony Schaefer. He keeps it real, right? If anything, you, you keep it real. We're going to come right back. Hold that thought. Our phone number, if you have any questions for Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Our guest is Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, president of Project Sentinel and the London Center for Policy Research. I want to apologize. I've called it the London everything tonight, but it's the London Center for Policy Research. Uh, Colonel, we have a call, a question for you uh, from uh, one of our listeners, Doc. He's in Wilmington, Delaware. He's Joe Biden's neighbor, Doc, on WDEL. Go right ahead. You're on with Tony Schaefer and Rich Valdez. Uh, Let me give my background first, Colonel Schaefer. I admire the heck out of your work. You're a patriot. You served our country. I'm proud of you. I'm of Ukrainian heritage. I have an intelligence background, not myself and my family. A dear family friend of ours was a super great for a CIA 
for 20 years. My mom during World War II was a spook for OSS. After the war, U.S. Army CIC. That's my background. Okay. Is there an intelligence angle to this case at all, Colonel Schaefer, a la the Snowden case? Or is this simply the case of a very desperate and scared young woman who is fleeing to the only place on the planet where she thinks she can find safety? Your thoughts, sir? The, the, I mean, the Tara Reid case? Um, yeah. Look, I, I think uh, the, the fact is she is in fear for her life. Um, the issues that relate to the Bidens at this point indicate to me that they're like a, a animal in a corner. I mean, I, I you know, I, it was overused when Trump was president, but literally the walls are closing in on, on, on the Bidens. And Tara Reid has key information, credible information, about how then Senator Biden literally uh, put his hands up her skirt. I think that's assault in anybody's book. And uh, again, as I mentioned, uh, you know, she uh, was ignored by the Me Too movement. The media during the time that she was trying to get this out during the election was ignored. And, yeah, at this point, uh, I have no doubt she's gone to Congress and spoken to members. She mentioned Matt Gates by, by name. But the, the Congress is limited in what they can do. I mean, they don't have the resources of the executive branch available to them. And, um, look, uh, Matt uh, Taibbi just had the IRS visit his house, even though the IRS owes him money. Uh, I think <laughs> if you take that as a, as a clue— uh, yeah, I think she had uh, reason to flee. And, and uh, Putin, uh, I, I, I hate to say that. I mean, I'm, Pat, Putin's a thug. I am no fan of Putin. With that said, Putin's going to use her presence there for tons of propaganda value against the United States. So, you know, it is what it is. And it's, it's a sad day when a citizen has to flee to our sworn enemy to seek refuge. That, that's a very bad sign. Thank you, Doc. Now, Colonel, um, what's the possibility, if you're able to speculate at all, on whether this whole thing is fake, phony fraud, she's a Russian spy just trying to tear stuff up? Who's that? Tara Reid. Oh, no, I, she's not a Russian spy. I, I, I'm i sure that she's uh, been – she was a staffer who worked for Biden. Nobody's ever denied that. Her story's been very credible. I think at this point um, – she will be used for propaganda purposes like uh, Anna Chapman and the other Russian spies. And a little note, we can probably talk about this someday. I was actually targeted back in my former think tank by the Anna Chapman spy network. And the FBI actually came and gave me a, a briefing, a, a, a briefing talking about that fact. So anyway, um, but yes, I, I think uh, I don't think she's a spy, but I do believe that the Russians are going to gain a lot of propaganda traction out of her essentially defecting to the Russians. Now, I think that that question comes from some of the um, the, uh, the the appearances and uh, interviews that she's given, including one with Maria Butina, who had infiltrated right. the NRA. And I'm just right. thinking, you know, I, I would bring her on my show, but that's kind of what I do. If I if I didn't do yeah. this, I don't know that I'd be hanging out with Maria Butina because people would think I'm a spy. <laughs> that's, you well, know what you I mean? Know, say, you know, look, I, I, I get accused all the time of being pro Russian. It's like, no, my job is to call balls and strikes. I, I'm going to give people my assessment. And, it, and if I go through and I look at the numbers, I talk to sources, and, and I come up with a conclusion that is not in line with Joe Biden's policy, I'm going to say it. And uh, it makes me very unpopular with the administration, as you know. Uh, but it, it, I think, you know, I, to be true to my oath of office as an intelligence officer and now as a, a professional who runs think tanks, I think it's my obligation to tell the truth as best I understand it. 
And uh, this is a difficult position. Uh, the truth is always the first casualty in Washington and in war. So, uh, again, I, I, if I were you and you could get Tara Reid on, I'd get her on. And I, I think she'd have a lot to offer kind of why she feels the way she does. And, heck, she could tell you about some of the members of Congress she met with, which is legitimate. Uh, but I'm just telling you, Rich, right now, uh, I don't think she's – I mean, I would have not recommended she defect to the Russians, just saying, if I remember Congress. Mm-hmm. But I do understand that there are issues with safety at this point as more and more evidence of wrongdoing regarding the Bidens comes to light. And I'm sure she has a big a big chunk of it. All right, folks, stick around. Uh, we're going to wrap up with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer straight ahead. Our phone number is 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. I want to listen to you, Rich, all the time. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Well, today was the deadline. He was given three weeks to produce a document uh, and go into detail on what exactly they did to investigate the validity of the document. Uh, But thus far, he won't even admit that they have the document, Sean. Uh, He's given us the runaround for three weeks. He's just stalling. He said there's good faith effort. They haven't produced anything. They haven't even admitted they have a document. So we don't have confidence in Director Ray. We're already in the process of drafting legislation to hold an oversight committee markup next week to uh, hold FBI Director Ray in contempt of Congress. So there we go. We've talked about the FBI and their involvement. We've talked about Tara Reid. Now you've got Comer saying he's got the document. Grassley's put out a statement on this document. And now Russia, this is a new interesting plot twist in in this entire world here. (laughs) They're issuing a warrant for the arrest of Senator Lindsey Graham. Uh, This is just uh, very interesting to me. Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, what is going on here? Well, they're not going to arrest Lindsay as much as I think some people in South Carolina would like that and enjoy that. So I, <laughs> I wouldn't get their hopes up. I think it's all symbolic. But yeah, Lindsay it met uh, uh, just a few days ago with Zelensky and made some comments about how our dollars have never been better spent uh, killing Russians, and uh, that's basically the summary of what he said. So the uh, the Russians are upset, and uh, I, Lindsay is a neocon, and and I, I you know Lindsay has never met a war he didn't like. And I'm one of those who believes if you're going to fight a war, you better fight it to win. And, and the Biden administration is not fighting to win. Uh, I, I basically call it woke at war. If you want to see how woke goes to war, watch the Biden administration, because that's what they're doing. And Lindsay is, I think, is on Team Biden at this point. So I think it's all a lot of a uh, lot of bluster. Uh, you know, Lindsay is, uh, by the way, he's now a general in the Air Force Reserve. He's a very senior Air Force lawyer. Uh, that's an interesting, uh, you know, kind of skill uh, as it goes. So, you know, I just don't see any coming out of it. But, uh, yeah, Lindsay was over meeting in Ukraine, and the Ukrainians have, uh, by all accounts, not been doing as well as they the, the media has been telling us. So I think it's uh, – I, I guess he went over to kind of rally the troops. Yeah, understood. Now, I want you to uh, tell us, you know, in, in 30 seconds or so, um, when people yeah. go to LondonCenter.org, what can they expect to find? So you find a lot of the stuff we do regarding studies, Second Amendment, uh, 
uh, issues related to international affairs, a lot of my interviews, and uh, Project Sentinel is our sister uh, site, which is a kind of a 501c4. We do a lot more active stuff relating to the issues we, we work on. And one of the things I want to talk about is uh, we have something called Thought to Action, which is our podcast. We have a lot of notable folks on there, uh, members of Congress, people who make uh, news, as well as my new radio show, which is not competing with yours, Rich. It's right. on the America Out Loud. Ne- it's on the America Out Loud Network on weekends, eleven o'clock, both Saturday and Sunday. Uh, we we started off with Andy Biggs the day that they uh, talked about in, uh, going after um, Secretary mm-hmm. of Homeland Security when they wanted to impeach him. And then we just taped something with my my dear friend Brigadier General Blaine Holt. Blaine and I are both Newsmax contributors. We're t- we were talking about China today, China. and that'll be this coming weekend. China. Fantastic. <laughs> so, well, I, I, yeah. I'll make sure to tune into that. And folks, you should tune in to check it out, too. Go to LondonCenter.org and do what you can to follow Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. LT, thank you for being here with us. We appreciate it, sir. As always, Godspeed to you, my friend. You too. Thanks, Rich. Always great to join you. You bet. Thank you. All right, folks, more to come straight ahead. We continue our discussions on why are people leaving blue states and uh, why are they coming to red states? Don't go anywhere. It's America at Night with me, Rich Valdez, and we're coming right back. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. I got an email today from the LenPenzo.com HR department. I find oh. it really interesting. <laughs> I'm an employee of one at this company, so but somebody from the HR department sent me an email telling me that I had a raise. If I just opened the attachment, I could see how much my raise was. Make sure you click on the links that are in there, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait. This is I'm excited. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late-night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Welcome back. It's our number two of the program, and our telephone number is 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ. And, of course, if you want to chime in online, you're always welcome to do that on social media. I'm at Rich Valdez with an S. The House has passed the debt ceiling bill. It was... uh, a tight. We have the numbers. Can we play those again so that everybody can hear them? It was. It was not tight. Excuse me. It was a. It was actually a, a, an overwhelming majority that voted for the bill. Check this out. Yeas are three fourteen. The nays are one seventeen. 
The bill is passed. So there you have that. We'll see how that continues to play out. But apparently it's going to be COVID, right? Uh, There's going to be more COVID spending. Despite COVID not being around anymore and uh, the declaration from the Biden administration that it's over, there's no more COVID. Um, There's definitely going to be COVID and pandemic level spending through 2025 per the deal that we have. Speaking of that, there's a story that I was looking at on Insider.com headline. Why we left, excuse me, we left California for Texas to escape sky high prices and COVID restrictions. We love the slower pace of Southern life and we will never go back. That's one of the stories I was looking at. Uh, Another one here is America's mass migration intensifies as left UGs. That's right. Left UGs (laughs) flee blue states and counties for red states and red counties. And I thought, man, that is some funny stuff because, uh, I'd never heard this term, a left UG, but we have a guest that's going to help us make sense of what's going on with the left UGs and all of the uh, the exodus coming out of the blue states and coming into the red states. Chuck DeVore is the chief national initiatives officer at the Texas Policy Foundation, and he's a former California state assemblyman who now lives in Texas. He made the move himself. Chuck DeVore, welcome. Hey, great to be with you. So let's uh, dig into this. What is, uh, I guess, what did it for you? You you got tired of California politics and said, hey, let me, uh, you know, um, head over to Texas? Well, there was a few things in my case. Uh, The first thing, of course, I was termed out of office. I ran for the U.S. Senate back in 2010 and and, uh, didn't make it through the primary. Carly Fiorina beat me. Uh, I was an aerospace executive, and so many of the aerospace companies left California because of the high uh, labor costs, the high land costs, the regulation uh, compliance costs, all right, electricity, uh, all of these things were more expensive. And as the Cold War ran, you know, wound down, uh, they needed to save and conserve on their on their bottom line. So they left the state. Uh, that was a, a big factor. And then uh, my in-laws, uh, both of them began to suffer from dementia. And in California, the cost of of housing was so sky high, we wanted to take care of them in our own home. Uh, And that was very difficult in California with the small house we had. So we moved out to Texas and we were able to buy a bigger home. My father-in-law, who's a World War II vet, still lives with us. He's 98 years old uh, in hospice now, though, in our house. Uh, And that was another big factor. And then, of course, I had a great job offer from the Texas Public Policy Foundation and uh, you know, what's not to love about the the nation's largest state-based conservative think tank? And I've been there for the last 12 years. Outstanding. Now, do you think most people have made a move similar to yours uh, because jobs and companies uh, like, I don't know, I, I know the Daily Wire was out in California. They moved uh, to, to Tennessee. And I know that there's a lot of companies that are, you know, uh, packing up shop and moving to Florida, to Texas, Tennessee and Idaho. So um, do you think that's the case for most of the migration that we're seeing or is there more to it? Well, I think it's a real intensely personal decision. Uh, There's been some very interesting polling out of California. Now, of course, I have to caution your listeners that I'm sure it's a a little different in every state. But in California, they were asking questions like, you know, how old are you and are you liberal? Are you conservative? And what they found that for conservative Californians, and by the way, there's millions of them. It's a huge state, right? They're not a huge percentage of the population, but there's still a large number of them Uh, for conservatives. 
some of the top reasons for leaving were things like the political climate. They were tired of walking on eggshells at their place of work and worried about being canceled if they were to speak their mind. Uh, Of course, the high taxes. California has the highest marginal income tax rate in the country at 13.3% for top income earners. Uh, That's a big deal. And, of course, the cost of living. You know, everything costs more in California. The price of electricity, I just looked it up for last month, a couple months ago, actually, uh, on a federal database. It's more than twice as expensive per kilowatt hour in California as it is in Texas. So these things add up, and people do the math. And, of course, a lot of companies leave California, and they move out of state and some of their workers will follow them. So there's a whole bunch of reasons why, why people move. But one last thing, COVID, COVID restrictions really put the, uh, uh, what, what you call it, the leftist, uh, put that <laughs> into <UGs>. overdrive. <laughs> left UGs, yes, okay, left UG, leftist, yes, okay. Uh, so what you see is in states like California and New York, where they really went into overdrive on these COVID restrictions, what you see is that the outbound migration did a big jump up in those uh, states, uh, going to places like California and Florida, uh, where, or pardon me, to Texas and to Florida, uh, where the rules were less stringent and people could live their lives. And so that really seemed to put things into overdrive over the last three years. Do you think this continues uh, or do you think Gavin Newsom says, you know what, I'm going to put a uh, stop to this? By making this a better place to live, a, a, an easier place on regulation, keeping businesses here. Because after all, they've got a very large economy, and I'm guessing they want to keep it that way. Yeah, I didn't know I was going on a comedy hour here. No, I don't think he's <laughs> going to. I don't think he can. Uh, if right. you look at what Gavin Newsom's doing right now, he is positioning to run for president because I don't think he believes that, that President Biden's going to completely serve out his term or certainly won't truly mm-hmm. run for reelection. So what Newsom is doing is he's running around bashing red states. He's bashing Texas. He's bashing Florida uh, to, I think, divert attention from the catastrophe that is his own state with uh, the nation leading uh, rate for uh, homelessness, uh, with the jobs uh, leaving the state, and, and frankly, people just not happy with the way things are going in California. But it's a one-party state, and so it's not like he has any competition where he really has to try that hard. And the media, of course, is in the tank form trying to message. Uh, I think the people there know things aren't right. All you have to do is look around to see that things aren't going well in California. But, you know, he's uh, messaging and attacking, I think, to divert attention from his own failures. And Chuck DeVore, tell us um, how people can find out uh, about the work you're doing. I mean, tell us a little bit about it, uh, but then let us know as well how people can find you. Sure. Well, I'm at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. We're at texaspolicy.com. As I mentioned before, we are the the nation's largest state-based right-of-center free market think tank based in Austin, Texas, two blocks from the state capitol. And uh, I work with about uh, about 100 uh, colleagues uh, helping to make Texas more Texan uh, and trying to make Texas a beacon of freedom for the rest of the country, saying, hey, here's how we do it here. Maybe you could copy some of the things that we're doing. Uh, and so I'm on Twitter, at Chuck DeVore uh, is my handle, and uh, pretty easy to find on the Internet if you, uh, if you Google me. Yep, excellent. At Chuck DeVore, that's pretty simple. And uh, Chuck DeVore, um, 
I want to thank you for being with us. And I want to invite you back because uh, I want to have some foreign policy discussion with you as well uh, on another day, because I think it's always important to, um, you know, tap into everybody's level of expertise on those issues. Be delighted to. Outstanding. Well, Godspeed to you, my friend, and good luck in all the work you're doing. Straight ahead, folks, we get to your call and more. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Welcome back. It's Rich Valdez getting to your calls. 833-482-5337-8334 Valdez. And let's go to Lisa. She's in New Bern, North Carolina, WTKF. Lisa, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Hi. It's Hi. nice to talk to you, Rich. Thank you, Lisa. Likewise. I What's on been, your mind tonight? Yeah, I've been I've been listening to talk radio for, I don't know, a year and a half, and I listen to everyone darn day. We're on at night, though. This is a whole different ballgame at night. I know. I do. I know. I can only catch you when I don't work in the morning. Um, (laughs) But yes, I just wanted to say thank you. I'm half Puerto Rican and Irish. Proud of it. Whippa! Top of the morning to you. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. And I can't believe you still live in New York. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, know, Lisa, let me tell you a quick story. My brother, Louie, he uh, married a girl, Monaghan. Uh, her mom is off the boat from Ireland. She's and she's oh Louis, I love you, oh Richie, I love you. <laughs> she's a woman. She's such a lovely woman. Rose Monahan, God bless her. And, uh, and so he, we have this his family. You know his his wife and they had children. Uh, my nieces and nephew. They are um, they're all just like you, um, Puerto Rican, Italian, Americans. Isn't that interesting? Uh, sorry, no, Irish. Irish. My <laughs> That's my other brother. No, he married it, the Italian girl. All Irish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, anyway. I'm pro Italian too. But I'm pro everything, you know. But yeah, I'm so thrilled. Um, we have Latino, and I like Chris Salcedo. Oh, um, Chris Salcedo! Yeah, we've had him on the oh show. God. He's an excellent guy. My my brother, my liberty loving Latino uh, brother. He's fantastic. Love him here. Now, Lisa, tell me what's on your mind. Oh, um, yeah. So I'm in North Carolina. I've been here. I'm from the Rockland County, New York. You know, graduated uh-huh. there. Everything. Lived in Jersey for 10 years. My brother's still there. And it's so funny when you say 17 miles from Meadowlands. My brother is 15 miles from Meadowlands. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm 17 miles from Madison Square Garden. I'm actually with my home in Jersey. I live in Jersey um, and we broadcast out of New York. But the the um, Meadowlands is super close, probably like two and a half miles from where I live. Oh, goodness. Anyway, um, yeah, we yeah have family all over. But now, yeah, you have a, a comment about Republicans. Well, yeah. 
I I think that we need to stick together more. Mm-hmm. Um, all this infighting. Specifically, how? What's your thought on that? Well, you know, I'm a chumper. I don't know if you know that, but I'm a chumper. <laughs> okay. My ten year old grandson is a chumper. <laughs> And what, really why is. do you think Republicans don't stick together, and why should they? I don't know. But all I know is, um, you know, Trump is up, and I love Trump, but, like, so I've been hearing on my talk radio, other guys, before you, it's true. Trump needs to tone down a little bit. Tone down. He can't help himself. He's a New Yorker. Yeah. Well, and you know, that uh, that's very true, I think, in many ways. I mean, I think Trump can help himself. He just doesn't care to. That's part of who he is. But that's not the issue. Right. I think for me, you know, when people say, oh, the Republicans got to stick together like the Democrats, it always kind of bothers me a little bit when I hear that, uh, because and I'll tell you why, because that's exactly what Mao and Stalin and Castro, this is what they wanted. They wanted a political party that worked as as a one party system where everybody believed what one person believed. And that's that. And and I love the idea that in the Republican Party, you can have a Trump, you can have a Ted Cruz, you can have whoever you want. Right. There's a lot of people out there saying different things, even though we all have similar and common beliefs. And that's what makes us this big tent party with different ideas. And as a free market person, I, I believe that the best idea is always going to win. And everybody should have a chance to sell their idea so that people could say, you know what, I like your plan. Like Trump did, right? He tr- he sold his idea of building a wall and securing the border. And that sold with the American people and it got him elected. I mean, of course, there was the detriment of Hillary Clinton and, and, and Comey and all of that craziness. But it, it didn't take away from the issues. And I think Trump was solid on those issues. So to me, it's it's one of those things that it's like, hey, it is what it is. And that's the beauty of it. The Democrats stick together because they they use this uh, collectivist groupthink idea where they it's you know, this is how we do it. Right. This is what they do. They, they move as a block. They think as a block there. There is no debate because they use that fear of being crushed or canceled as a way in the Republican Party. You see people all the time. Like yesterday, there were people going at McCarthy. I was saying I wasn't uh, incredibly pleased. Um, you know, today I'll say I'm so, I don't want to say I'm disappointed because I'm, I'm I guess there's something good there. But I am disappointed in so much as I think he might have been able to go for more. And and again, I'm cautious to to ever really go too far in my commentary without the facts. Right. And I don't know. We haven't had McCarthy on a had a chance to ask him these questions. So if I have a chance to interview McCarthy and and he does answer my questions, then I'll tell you, hey, look, I was really disappointed in what he had to say. Or I could say, well, you know, I understand the position now. There's nuances that I, I wasn't aware of. So I, I realize governing is tough and it's tough to to strike a deal sometimes. And you feel like you're, you know, you're dancing with the devil uh, a lot of times when you make these deals. And that that is politics. And it's something I've never lost sight of. And I know that a lot of people... Uh, in talk radio world yourself and me, you know, and others that, you know, we want to see a huge win every single time. And I don't know that we're going to, um, at least that's what I've learned along the way as much as, you know, I want to see it when I, I expected more from Trump, right. From the Trump administration, but, uh, lo and behold, they were spying on him. They were trying to stop him at every angle. You know, we find out more and more of how they were trying to sabotage him every single day. So it, it, then I look, I reassess and I say, you know what? I think he did a lot. He did a whole lot. 
because he had all of these obstacles. And look at the amount that he was able to get done it, with all of those obstacles. Imagine if he had a team that was, you know, helping to, to run the interference so he could run the ball. That would be amazing. So uh, I get your frustration, and I get it. Um, I just, I never want to be like the uh, the collectivist left. I never want to be like the groupthink Democrats because I think ultimately that that that's not what America's all about, Lisa. They're destroying our country. Yeah, that's the truth. They are destroying our country. And this is why I think we need to stick together and have the the better ideas that, that make the country better. And listen, it's easy for me to say, right? It's platitudes. Uh, what's, what's hard to do is to make it happen. Anyway, Lisa, I want to thank you for your call from New Bern, North Carolina. Always a pleasure to hear from folks on WTKF. Godspeed to you, sister. And uh, straight ahead, we're going to continue uh, our conversation, this late-night national town hall forum that we have here, and we're going to have a conversation on, <clears throat> let's see here, what are we talking about? Hold it now, live radio, and this thing froze on me. I love it when that happens, and nobody's volunteering to say anything in my ear. Here we go. We've got the uh, national political correspondent from Real Clear Politics. She covers the White House. Her name is Susan Grabtree, and she's coming up next. We're going to talk about why people leave the government and then sign up to work with China and other issues where they get to lobby things. Don't go anywhere. That's an interesting discussion. Don't miss it. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening, wherever you listen. All right, America, welcome back. And I want to continue our discussion on China because I think China is, um, I don't know, like what they used to say on Seinfeld, you bad, bad man, Jerry, right? China is a very, very bad actor uh, on the global scene, in my opinion. And of course, uh, they've uh, been continuing their threats on Taiwan. Now they're threatening uh, a U.S. jet, as you saw and, and uh, or as you heard in our earlier segment with Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. And uh, now people that are criticizing China 
are ramping up their push to limit lobbying, which I think is a good idea. Uh, lamentably, this is how I think they've done so much of what they call their unrestricted warfare has been buying former U.S. employees, U.S. officials and whatnot and, you know, finding out what they know and getting them to do their dirty work. And they've done it through the Confucius Institutes and so many American campuses. And I mean, their um, their web grows ever so greatly every time I look at it. And it's just shocking to see what's happening in our country when it comes to China uh, and how it's it seems to just go underreported, but not at RealClearPolitics.com because Susan Crabtree is a political correspondent there. Um, she uh, previously served as a senior writer for the Washington Free Beacon and spent five years as a White House correspondent for the Washington Examiner. And she's our guest, Susan Crabtree. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Rich. It's my pleasure. I would like to talk about your piece. Uh, I thought it was a, an enlightening piece on lobbying and uh, walk us through it, because uh, other than, than you and I, I don't think any of the six and a half million people listening have heard it. So feel free to elaborate. Well, yeah, there's just been this big push in Washington recently with after the Republicans took over, but even before it, it is bipartisan uh, to investigate China's malign influence in both its own country. As you know, you know, it is uh, the, both the Trump and the Biden administrations have deemed its treatment of the Uyghurs, putting them nearly a million in concentration mm-hmm. camps, and just say it like it is, uh, for, you can say forced labor camps. Uh, yeah, or what they like agenda. to say, re-education camps. <laughs> yeah, th- that's their term for it, but it, it is pretty much nonsense um, when you hear about what's going on in those camps. Mm-hmm. There has been, ever since that recognition of genocide by both administrations consecutively, uh, within months of one another, with the Trump administration ending and the Biden administration beginning, uh, there has been a big, uh, co- big push and concerns uh, in Washington about the national security threat that China poses and the human rights abuses that is that has been mountains of evidence, painstakingly documented by journalists, by researchers, uh, in academic journals across the board. Uh, so now there's a new, a really, for the first time. Um, I've seen a really huge unease with the lobbying that's been going on by Chinese companies. Many of them face heavy U.S. sanctions for being a national security threat and their human rights abuses. Uh, Now people are saying, you know, maybe this shouldn't be happening. And there have been a number of bills on Capitol Hill over the past several years uh, to restrict uh, lobbying from our foreign adversaries, mainly China, but others as well, Russia and others. But they haven't gained any traction, but it seems like there is new momentum for this uh, in Washington now. I did a piece, this this piece in the last week, talking about how Senator, uh, former Senator David Vitter, he lost his election in 2017, and what does he do? He goes directly through the revolving door onto K Street, um, not a, a very common practice, of course, but has a lucrative new career representing several uh I would say bad actors, foreign actors, uh, and Hick Vision is the Chinese company that he has the biggest contract contract for his firm, Mercury Public Affairs does, and that is um, he has taken in his firm. We don't know what percentage he gets from that, but you know you can probably extrapolate that it's it's not Trump change. Uh, Six point five million dollars 
since 2018 just to represent this one client, Hikvision, which is a survey, a camera and surveillance uh, firm company, big firm in, in China. And we have sanctioned it uh, many times over as a national security threat and for its, its the role that it played in helping track the Uyghur population, minority, uh, ethnic, and religious population, and to actually monitor them when they're in these forced labor camps. So because of this, it has faced heavy, heavy sanctions, but it's still allowed to lobby in Washington. And these former members, you know, there's no shame. They're just uh, taking in this money, and they're also giving political donations to Capitol Hill, to members on Capitol Hill. And so I asked, uh, I looked at how many political donations they have given, and one was to Senator, um, sorry, the Speaker McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy, and I called his office and they said, you know what, we're going to, we didn't know, we went and looked into it, and we didn't know how much Vitter was in engaged in this type of foreign lobbying, but we don't like it, and we are giving this these particular donations uh, to charity. They haven't told me which charity yet, but that was to me a big development. It's a precedent setting. It it is sort of the because he's a speaker, and he has authorized these several select committees to investigate China. Uh, in just a few months, he's been speaker. He has called China and the CCP the biggest global threat we're facing right now. So it was good to see that he actually decided to return the money and he's not going to be taking this. I mean, it's a pass-through, but it's essentially partially Hick vision money um, that he's, that he doesn't want to take anymore. And that's, that's progress. Maybe it's slow progress, but it's progress. Wow. Well, I mean, that's, uh, that's just a lot to take in. But lamentably <laughs> happening every single day in Washington, right? Folks, we're on with Susan Crabtree. She's with Real Clear Politics, uh, White House and national political correspondent there. And we're discussing the role that lobbying plays in advancing China's agenda. And as you just heard from one example of, of a former uh, senator and how they're, the they being China, um, working through lobbyists in Washington to get their work done on how they do what they do with their surveillance stuff. And it's a it's a crazy topic. We're going to come back with Susan Crabtree to continue our conversation on China and their aggressive approach to lobbying here in the United States. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. want to listen to you, Rich, all the time. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And uh, I was having a, a sidebar conversation with um, our producer, Mr. Hinton, uh, during the break. He says, you know, I don't know about you, but so many of my streaming platforms keep pushing TikTok on me. You know, like, it's just, it's great for you. It's nice for you. It's so nice at TikTok. These very friendly, fuzzy ads. And and it, it, it reminded me of what we're talking about here uh, with our guest, 
because Susan Crabtree is our guest, and she's with Real Clear Politics, where she's the White House and national political correspondent, and was just telling us about how lobbying is is uh, intensifying, and people are trying to put hit the brakes on Chinese lobbying. And in in your piece, Susan, you you mentioned here this is a really interesting uh, factoid that I wasn't aware of that since 2018, Hikvision had spent a combined $25.23 million on the many lobbying firms that they deal with. And for context, that's more than double that of Huawei, China's biggest telecoms company, in the same exact period. That I find interesting because I know Huawei has their hands very deep in things. And uh, and we've heard, you know, in so much uh, as what we've heard of, of Huawei that, they were horrible, right? <laughs> they were just uh, very, uh, very um, uh, pervasive in their approach to the U.S. and getting into this market with 5G rollout and whatnot. So uh, I just think that that's an interesting juxtaposition, Susan. Yeah, the, Huawei had faced several uh, sanctions. In, uh, Secretary Pompeo worked really hard to make sure people were aware that it, you know, that its broadband services were you know, these wonderful 5G technology, and they were being it was being sold around the world, uh, but it also had this sort of spying element to it that people weren't aware of. Uh, that Pompeo really made sure that were the U.S. government is not allowing that to be part of our uh, U.S. government. It's not going to be sold to the U.S. government. It's not going to be sold to U.S. customers. Period. Uh, he took a, a big stand on that. It's interesting that you bring up TikTok because this, we can track the money. Uh, there's a lot of what has to be reported when it's a foreign entity. As you know, that that's this mm-hmm. whole it's a called FARA registration. It's been a big deal since the Russia Gate. That it didn't seem nobody right. seemed to care about it when I was reporting right. on it. You know, ten twenty years ago, and I went would go into this little vault in. Washington, D.C., and uh, it was all these paper. It wasn't even online. You had to go look up everything on paper. Nobody was there in there. It would be, you'd be alone sitting there right. looking. And you weren't even sure if the if the lobbyists were registering at all. There was no enforcement mechanism whatsoever. But now people are being brought up on charges, criminal charges, for not mm-hmm. filing their fair registrations uh, accurately. And so, interesting, TikTok does not have to file under the foreign Agent Registration Act. It is not considered a foreign agent because it still maintains, and where the U.S. government is buying this, that it is not controlled by the Chinese government, as we saw their CEO testify on Capitol Hill the other day. Hmm. But interestingly enough, I did another piece recently on China's crackdown on Hong Kong, and there was a documentary that a think tank produced, American think tank produced, about Jimmy Lai, who is in jail, in uh, he's a Hong Kong businessman. It's a very successful uh, textile manufacturer, um, clothing. Uh, and he went into journalism, and he started two of the biggest Hong Kong uh, Chinese-speaking speak, uh, publications in Hong Kong that were very critical of the Chinese government. So, but in the last couple years, uh, they, yeah, as you know, President Xi has cracked down on Hong Kong. It's not allowing protests and democracy organization of any type. So they have imprisoned Jimmy Law, uh, Jimmy Lay under this national security law. And there's a documentary produced about him and TikTok suddenly took it down. Hmm. 
Huh. Why is that? And then they came now, back. Know, I, and just, they were- I just, I just, I just want to say when you mentioned about the CEO of TikTok testifying, I thought this guy was not only cocky and arrogant, but borderline belligerent when he was in Congress. And it just, it, it was striking to me. Usually there's, you know, you might get a little cockiness out of some of these executives, but usually they're, they're somewhat contrite because they feel like, I don't want to screw with these guys because they might, you know, try to make a bill against me. This guy didn't seem to care. It was strange to me, and it didn't, and it was noted afterwards that it was, I believe it was before uh, one of the Commerce Committees instead of the Foreign uh, Affairs or uh, Foreign Relations Committee. So they're not as as conversant, the, those members, on the human rights abuses and what the Chinese government is capable in terms of collecting people's data and privacy concerns with WeChat and other I mean, they use, the Chinese government uses WeChat. They put it on cellular phones and they give it to uh, Uyghurs and say, you have to have this phone on you at all times. And it has WeChat on it so they can track their every move. (laughs) I understand they could also control their money with WeChat. Exactly. That's exactly true. And it's very deeply concerning what, how much information the, the Chinese government uh, the Chinese people use WeChat so much, but they are the government is giving out phones with this on it, so they're trying to perpetuate this ability to spy on their own people. Uh, and you know, we can go down the road of human rights abuses. You know, I wrote a previous piece about new evidence of organ harvesting among the Uyghur people. It was first started uh, on the Falun Gong in uh, wide in a large numbers back in the early 2000s, we saw protests about that uh, in Washington, and I didn't know what to believe, and there wasn't a lot of documentation on it, but now we have people who have actually escaped these detention centers and these concentration camps, forced labor camps, whatever you'd like to call them, and they have talked to people um, that are recognizable, very well-respected researchers who have documented that this is going on, and not only this is a very grim, gruesome topic, but not only are they harvesting their organs um, involuntarily, which is in the United States, we only agree to voluntary organ harvesting. Of course, you don't do it on prisoners, but these are prisoners of conscience, meaning they're right. put, in, put in jail for their either their religious beliefs or their dissident status. And some of them are being harvested while these people are not yet brain dead, which is I mean, they're not, they're still technically alive. And that is a egregious, egregious violation of international ethics um, norms. And it's getting more attention now. Uh, you might have heard about that the, there was a China tribunal in the UK that found that they were, they were doing this organ harvesting on a very large scale. And now we have an organ harvesting bill in Congress that was passed almost unanimously through the House and is waiting for action in the Senate. And that would just place more sanctions on any U.S. individual that has anything to do with uh, the U.S., the Chinese organ harvesting industry, which is a billion dollar. It has become a billion dollar industry just in the last few years. Wow. Folks, we're on with Susan Crabtree. She's a White House national political correspondent with Real Clear Politics. When we come back, we're going to wrap up. She's going to let you know how you could follow her. And these are some really amazing articles that she's writing. I, I highly recommend you check them out. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. 
now. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. So the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, they're, uh, they're after us in many ways, right? They're using their telecoms companies like Huawei to uh, spy on us. They're using TikTok to do the same. At, at, at best, it's, it's uh, hardcore influence. Uh, they're going after Taiwan. They're all over the place. There's a war on religion in China. And if you're a Muslim, a Uyghur Muslim, they will put you in a concentration camp shave your hair, sell it because human hair uh, is, is that's part of what they harvest, but then the, they'll also sell and harvest your organs. I mean, it's just incredible what's going on. Our guest is Susan Crabtree. She is a White House and national political correspondent for Real Clear Politics. Susan, let everybody know uh, how they can keep up to speed with you and the work that you're doing. Thanks so much. Uh, you can just go to realclearpolitics.com. You can see my articles there. I'm under office. And then on Twitter, uh, I'm pretty active, uh, at Susan Crabtree. And that's basically how you would uh, follow what I do. We've been doing, we've been doing this China uh, Religious Freedom Series. Uh, you, you can see those stories. There's five of them. Uh We've been trying to go into great detail to expose, to, to have greater exposure to what is going on in China. Uh, why is this? Why is this regime? This President Xi, he, he is in. It's not the same as your grandfather's president in China. Um, the, this President Xi means business. He, you know, he has the Belt and Road Initiative, uh, and he is trying to basically. You know, there has been. Uh, other leaders who have said in the past, and if you read Peter Schweitzer's book Red-handed, I would mm-hmm. highly uh, I would highly recommend that. He says, you know, these these leaders have said we are going to give the U- the West to the U.S. the we're going to sell them the rope that they used to hang themselves. Wow! You know, they, we'll leave it they right there. That's global, scary. <laughs> global dominance. <laughs> yeah, right, right. It's that global hegemony that the Chinese have always craved. And uh, your comment about Xi Jinping, I think he's really trying to outdo Mao Zedong. And uh, I hope he doesn't get a chance to. Uh, Susan Crabtree, thank you. Enlightening conversation. Excellent work. I appreciate you being with us. Thanks so much for your interest. My pleasure. All right, folks, more to come straight ahead. Of course, open phone America at the top of the next hour. Our telephone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Give me a call right now. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. 
Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and I'm happy to be here with you guys tonight hosting this late-night National Town Hall Forum. Feel free to give us a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ. We have uh, calls that are coming in, I see, from... Uh, from the middle of the country, from outside of the country, all over the place. And it's always a pleasure to, to speak with everybody. There's a couple of stories that I want to get to tonight. I'm just going to give you a little bit of a tease. But the New York Times is taking some heat right now uh, because the reviewer from the New York Times says that the Little Mermaid movie, the film, didn't have enough kink in it. So we'll get to that a little bit later. Also, the uh, ATF, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, says that until recreational cannabis is federally legalized, pot users cannot own guns. That's a big deal. And then, speaking of drugs and alcohol and all sorts of other things here, North Korea's Kim Jong-un, they say, is a 308-pound insomniac in a vicious cycle of smoking and boozing. This is uh, according to spies, um, and it's being reported by the New York Post. We'll get into that as well. Plus, this is just disheartening, but the eating disorder hotline has fired um, artificial intelligence after it's given harmful advice to humans. You know, they were calling for help, and I don't think they got help. They got really bad advice. So we'll get to that in a moment. But first, I want to get to your calls because there's lots to discuss. Of course, the big headline tonight is that the House has reached an agreement on the debt ceiling. That was yesterday's news today. They voted on the bill, and it has passed. So that's that. We get to spend on COVID for another two years, right? Until 2025, we'll be spending uh, these COVID levels of spending and all sorts of things. My friend who uh, makes my coffee in the morning, owns the Cuban restaurant. I walked in there. He looked at me and goes, what's going on here? Why are we giving money to China to investigate COVID? <laughs> he said, COVID's over. I said, bro, when I told you about that a few months ago, you were like, no, there's no way this country's giving money to China to investigate COVID. Well, lo and behold, I think all that's happening here is more and more people that d didn't like Trump because they bought into the Kool-Aid, uh, the hate Trump Kool-Aid, that is, uh, now we're realizing, you know what? There are a lot of bad actors at work in our government. And it's becoming more and more evident every single day. Anyway, let us go to our buddy Gil in Manila, Philippines. Gil, welcome. Hola, Ricardo. Hola, Gil. Como How are you, sir? Como I am well. Uh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I have been Muy bien, gracias. God. Yeah, I'm, I've been practicing my Spanish, you know, because I'm going to be heading in your direction. So, uh, right, uh, you're going to Texas, uh, and then you're going to New York. Make sure you, you call the studio, and we can coordinate when you're here. Uh, I want to wanna stop by, say hello, buy your beer. Okay. Uh, I like uh, um, um, uh, Tecate uh, and Corona from Mexico. Very good. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. But anyhow, the reason I called is... There was. I heard on the news that your old boss, Chris Christie, is planning on, to announce his candidacy for the president, and uh, I, 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 I may become one of his supporters because wasn't he the one who started the uh, Christie Cream Donuts? 
And <laughs> if, if he's elected president, there'll there'll be a there'll be a state banquet every night. <laughs> uh, I, let me tell you, if I had a dollar for every time I heard a dig like that, yeah, well, yes, it's true. I did work for uh, former Governor Chris Christie, and I, I did hear that he's launching his political campaign. I do have to say, and this is um, uh, gospel truth. I had invited uh, the former governor on my program, and um, the folks in his office, I feel, didn't want to do it because of my then affiliation with um, my other former boss, the great one, Mark Levin. And uh, there was uh, some contention between the two of them. So I don't know what's going on, but I know I can't get them to return my calls anymore. I, uh, I I would love to have Chris Christie on for an interview and ask him some questions. I don't know why he's choosing now to launch his campaign. Personally, I think there was a time when you probably couldn't have stopped Chris Christie from getting elected. Uh, and I think ideally, like immediately following Hurricane Sandy in 2012. But as that didn't happen and Mitt Romney went, went on to, to run against Obama and whatnot, um, that that window of opportunity, in my opinion, closed. And I don't know where it goes from here. I can't imagine uh, a path to victory with the candidates that are currently uh, on deck. Right. And takes nothing away from Christie's ability to be a, a very good debater. Uh, but it's just a different time. And it's uh, there's a different record to run on. Right. At that time, it was pre Bridgegate. Now we're after Bridgegate. And although that was kind of settled by the Supreme Court and vacated or whatnot. Uh, I still think it's just a different time where I don't know how popular uh, a Christie candidacy, candidacy is going to be in the Republican Party, Gil. Well, I remember back in 2016, and I don't know if you saw this or not. Uh, I don't agree with his politics, but uh, Robert Schmeigel, the one who does uh, Triumph, the insult comic dog, he, no, I don't he know it, but Christie. go ahead. Uh-huh. He's, he's spoofed Christie, and he also spoofed uh, um, uh, Senator Ted Cruz. Uh, and I'll just give you one line of Senator Ted Cruz, because uh, Senator Cruz went head-to-head with Schweigel. And, of course, Schweigel is able to edit everything. But the one line that I really liked was uh, Senator Ted Cruz said, you don't like these Republicans they were the ones who had you fixed and cut your nuts off. And uh, Schweigel replied, well, if it keeps you out of the White House, it's worth it. So um, uh, you didn't like the line. Well, I thought that yeah, was I, I, Honestly, Gil, your humor is so high level that I just I, I never I never uh, rise to the occasion. But we did have Senator Cruz on last night. And um, if anybody missed that, make sure you check it out. Go to Rich Valdez, America at night dot com. Rich Valdez, America at night.com. You could hear the entire conversation. Uh, we discussed everything from his reaction to the debt ceiling news to everything else that's going on in the world. And uh, Gil, um, wh- what do you think? Do you think I'm right here in uh, thinking that Christie doesn't have uh, the momentum that he needs to get elected? Or do you think he's got a secret weapon? Well, I know that he will, he will never be picked to be the vice president presidential candidate because there's resentment between him and Donald Trump's son-in-law over the uh, prosecution of the son-in-law's father when Christie was the U.S. attorney in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he'll, so I don't think he'll ever be selected to be vice president. Uh, Where he goes, 
I don't know. You know, a lot of people, when they start to get up in years, they just take every opportunity they get because as as the sands run through the hourglass, those opportunities go away. <laughs> That's funny. One of our liners on this show is, is uh, originally I used to hear it. It said something like that. Sands run through the hourglass. So goes Rich Valdez's hair. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> Gil, thank you, brother. I appreciate the call. Godspeed to you. Hope to see you soon. And the rest of everybody that's on hold, stick around. We're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-482-5337. That's Valdez with an S. Thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. So listen to this. So the, the Little Mermaid didn't have enough kink is what the New York Times review critically said about the film. Disney's live-action remake of the beloved classic The Little Mermaid has received mixed reviews, but one review from the New York Times is turning heads. And this is according to NBC Montana. New York Times writer and film critic Wesley Morris, who has written about Hollywood's addiction to racial reconciliation fantasies, says, these are his words, <clears throat> that The Little Mermaid, starring biracial American singer and songwriter Halle Berry, I'm sorry, Halle Bailey, forgive me, reeks of obligation and noble intentions and is missing elements such as joy, fun, mystery, risk, flavor, and kink. The PG-rated movie features a diverse cast and has been marketed as an experience parents can enjoy with their children. But Morris writes that he believes the movie was overly fixated on safely featuring its diversity and therefore it fell flat. The new live-action Little Mermaid is everything nobody should want in a movie. Dutiful and defensive, yet desperate for approval, Morris wrote. It reeks of obligation and noble intentions. The movie's saying, we're tired. We tried. Not to offend, appall, challenge, or imagine. Well, that's uh, his thought on that. Many uh, took notice of Morris's review and his choice of the word kink. While the word kink has several definitions. Does it really? Really? Does the word kink have several definitions? Unbelievable. Yeah, I have a kink in my neck. That's not what they're talking about. Including a short, tight twist or curl. Yeah, I don't think he's saying there's enough kink. Like there's not enough kinky hair in the movie. This is so silly. A cramp in some part of the body. Most critics uh, seemingly assume Morris was referring to the unconventional sexual taste or behavior known as kink. Anyway. Some questioned why anyone would desire more kink in a movie made for children. Others pondered if it was a Freudian slip, some kind of, um, you know, 
secret request for more. Anyway, a lot of people mocked this review, saying the New York Times is upset because the new Little Mermaid movie isn't kinky enough, iHeartMedia News Radio personality Kenny Webster said on Twitter. So people are questioning what's going on. What's wrong with the media? Kids' movies don't need kink, you sickos. That's uh, Christina Pushaw. She's the rapid response director for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Then there was a response from the author Jameson Shea, who asked in her tweet, why are you looking for kink in a children's movie? And, of course, these are all solid sentiments, right? So I don't know that we have any answers from the New York Times or their writer, Mr. Morris, on why he chose to say the movie didn't have enough kink. And, of course, he's allowed to say what he wants. We support free speech. But it's just kind of weird, right, that uh, that we have this, this type of uh, conversation here where we're saying there's not enough kink in a kid's movie. Let's go to Kim in Shields, Michigan, listening on KDKA Online. Kim, what do you think about this commentary about kink in children's movies? It sounds like the other side, the commiecrats, everything about them is kink or kinky. There's, there's just like a circus sideshow, the whole the whole team on the other side. Um, but yes, lamentably, say- it sounds that way. I, unfortunately, I feel like the, the folks, um, just some artsy, fartsy types that are typically on the left, um, they, they seem to think that, there's some sort of need for a sexual revolution amongst children. And, you know, I've talked about that at times. If you missed my podcast uh, where I discussed uh, Daniel Carlton Gajasek, this is a very sick man who is um, under the tutelage, maybe not directly, but definitely indirectly, of what was his name? Kinsey, his first name. Anyway, Dr. Kinsey, ah, Dr. Alfred Kinsey, right? That's sicko. We've talked about him, too. Where these guys believe that intergeneral, intergenerational sex was part of every family's responsibility to their children. I mean, just really sick stuff. And that stuff trickles down into critics who write film reviews saying, yeah, great movie, but just not enough kink, man. You know, I mean, just absolutely insane. So I think you're right, Kim. It just uh, they're nuts on that side of the fence. What was your other point? Okay, I called in about the organ harvesting, but I want to say something really quick. If you're going sure. to take Gil out for fancy beers, if I ever get to New York, I prefer steak and seafood at an expensive restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm happy to allow you to take me to a fancy restaurant in New York City. I'm just going to warn you, they're pricey. And and, and city's a little ick, but um, we'll definitely do it. If you're in the city, I'd love to meet you too. Matter of fact, one of these days, maybe we'll do like a, a, a listener thing. And maybe if a few people can show up, we'll, um, we'll do something. But yeah, sounds good to me. I like fancy seafood. Anyway, I know that um, there are more comments um, on the way. And I want to invite you to give us a call regarding those comments. 833-482-5337. 833-4VALDES is our phone number. Now, I wanted to... Um, go back to something that I'd mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, which was my thoughts on the, the deal, right? The debt ceiling deal 
the uh, vote that has finally come through in an overwhelming way, honestly. And former House Speaker Newt Gingrich was on the Fox News channel yesterday, and he had some comments on the debt ceiling saying, look, it's a game of chess, not checkers. And McCarthy shifted power away from the White House. I don't know if I'm sold on that idea. Uh, I, I think I don't like this deal, but I also I'm not dumb enough to say I'd prefer no deal to this deal. And I don't live in fantasy land where I'm just going to be mad all the time because I didn't get the deal I wanted. Right. You got to take the win that comes your way sometimes. But listen to Newt Gingrich last night. This is this is chess. This is not checkers. It's not tic-tac-toe. And you've got to think through not just one step, but five, six or eight or ten steps. And in that consequence, I think that Kevin McCarthy got a pretty good deal. And most importantly, he shifted the balance of power and the balance of leadership away from both the Senate and the White House. And that is, frankly, a historic experience comparable to what we did in 1995. So Gingrich says that this is a move in the right direction and he took power away from the White House. Um, I would I would presume that that's true in so much as the little bit of power that they've taken away. I don't want to be um, dismissive and and uh, of, of McCarthy's um, deal here. I'm just uh, a little frustrated that, you know, we, we we didn't play dirtier or harder. Now, I know Kim was holding on because she wanted to tell us about organ harvesting. Kim, go right ahead. Thanks, Rich. Uh, I wanted to tell you about a story that I read. I believe it was the Epic Times about two years ago. Mm-hmm. The, the Chinese lady that wrote the article um, was was telling how her and her mother got to visit her father, who I think he was a dissident or something in China, and they got to see him on the slab before he was cremated. And they went in the room. Their father was still warm. He had a scar up his neck. He had a grimace on his face. And China thinks they can um, take anybody's organs that they like. I know it's a shame what's going on. Anyway, stick around, folks. Open Phone America continues. 833-4-VALDEZ. 833-4-VALDEZ. Welcome back. So uh, in addition to The Little Mermaid, uh, we were talking about Newt Gingrich and how Newt Gingrich says uh, McCarthy has wrested some power from the White House. I don't know if that is the case or not. Uh, I'm I'm tempted to say maybe. Maybe it is. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see if we slowed things down. I don't think we I mean, I guess we did, you know, with um, two trillion versus the the four trillion that they were looking for. But. Uh, anyway, let us continue. So there's a report here I want to share with you. King Jong-un, Kim, Kim Jong-un, I can't even say it right, 308 pounds. He's, he's an insomniac in a vicious cycle of smoking and booze. That's according to spies. 
And this is a funny article in the New York Post saying the chubby North Korean tyrant Kim Jong-un's weight has ballooned to more than 300 pounds as he pulls all-nighters in a vicious cycle of heavy boozing and smoking, according to spies from the South. South Korea. Seoul's National Intelligence Service gave an update Wednesday on intensely monitoring the health of uh, the secretive leader who came to power after his father, Kim Jong-il, died back in 2011 from a heart attack. Now, despite the reports in 2021 that he'd lost nearly 50 pounds on a health kick, Kim appears to have gained back all of it and more. The spies estimated, citing um, artificial intelligence of recent pictures. Adding that Un is estimated to weigh over 140 kilograms or 308 pounds, according to Yusang Bum, a member, or Yusang Bum, I'm not sure how that's pronounced, B-U-M, a member of South Korea's Parliamentary Intelligence Committee, and this was given at a briefing that they had. The missile-loving tyrant thought to be about five foot eight. Wow, so he's like around my size and 308 pounds. I, I, I'm going to bring you a little update. I today hit 206 pounds on my scale. Yay, cue the applause. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, um, it appears to be that he's been engaging in excessive alcohol and tobacco consumption Hoarding U.S. imports like Marlboro cigarettes. So the guy smokes reds, huh? Look at that. They got a picture of him here. He does appear. He's got one chin. He's got a second chin here. So I've, I've identified in this in this photo. There are two chins in this photo. And he does have a cigarette in his hand. So that, that part is, yep, the second photo here. Yep, yep, there it is. Second chin. So he's got two chins in every photo. So some of this might actually be true. Oh, my goodness. Third photo. Looks like there's the the introduction of now a third chin. Kim Jong Chin might be his um, new nickname. Anyway, Kim has also been seen with scratches and bruises around his arms. The lawmaker suggests it was uh, restful stress-induced dermatitis. The leader has faced ongoing speculation over his health with extended public absences early in the pandemic, sparking fervent speculation that he was in a coma or even dead. Wow. His current expanding waistline and apparent hoarding of imports and luxuries comes as the hermit kingdom suffers an ever-worsening shortage of food and other necessities, and that's, again, uh, from these intelligence sources. So that's the piece by Lee Brown in the New York Post. I don't know where we go from there, but let's go now to Rock Springs, Wyoming, KUGR, and check in with Bill. Bill, what's up, my man? You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Hi, Rich. Uh, back in the mid-'80s when I was work doing news on a radio station in Brownwood, Texas, Newt Gingrich chose to grace our, uh, us with his appearance at the Douglas MacArthur Academy of Freedom there. And he came to talk about something in particular, it seems. Uh, he was advocating for American intervention of some kind in Angola. And uh, when he opened up the floor for Was that back when I the was, Cubans were trying to take over Angola for the uh, Russians? I don't know. I don't remember. All I remember is Angola. I don't remember what, yeah. what, what or why or how. 
I only remember the specific question I asked him. Having just read up on the Angola thing, I asked Mr. Gingrich, who was close enough to me that if I'd stood up, I could have touched him. He uh, he looked at me, and I basically asked him why it was that he was going to pick make a choice between the the communists in the Angola government and the communists in the revolutionary forces that were challenging them. And he immediately broke his gaze with me, pointed to somebody in the back of the room, and took somebody else's question without a word to me. I have not believed the word that the man has said since as a result. He's, he's, he, is, he, he is beyond – Newt is a very accurate thing. He's a lizard, but he's more like a snake. All right. Well, thank you, Bill. A little Newt bashing and contributed nothing to what we were talking about, about the McCarthy deal. Let's go to Tim in Sparta, Wisconsin. Uh, let's see. W-I-Z-M. Tim, go right ahead. Yeah, yeah. Hey, how are you? I don't know. 50, Can you 50. hear me? I hear you. The world hears you, brother. Go for it. Oh, okay. Well, no, I kind of agree with the other caller. What's Newt Gingrich? He's always yakking away, old politician. Do you wonder why people are mad? I just can't believe they don't get nothing done. They don't do nothing. What's going on with this new trying to get the... They don't get nothing done. Well, let's listen. I, I, I don't know if I have an answer to that, but I'd like to know, was there ever a time where we got things done? I don't know. Because I feel like there's an expectation to get so much done. And I don't know that we do. And again, this isn't a defense of anything. It's really just, I guess I've always in my entire lifetime, <clears throat> I don't know that I've ever seen government as something I looked at and aspired, you know, and said, wow, that's, I, thank God we have such a great, responsive government. I think I've always looked at government and always been disappointed one way or another. And uh, I, I know that I think just we've we have more means to communicate. We have more ability to be critical. So we are. And that's fair. I, I don't have an issue with that. But I just I feel like sometimes we have an expectation that is is just outsized. And it's it's a shame. Um, and not a shame that we have that expectation, a shame that we can't achieve what we expect, right? It would be nice to think that we could uh, get things done, that we would have uh, people that care about their country, that aren't sellouts, that uh, a law enforcement establishment that doesn't, you know, allow itself to be weaponized against the citizenry for political purposes. Um, I just feel like they went after Martin Luther King. Uh, they, they've, they've gone after a lot of people, the FBI. Um it, it seems it's it just we didn't know it back then, so it was hunky dory. Now we know it, and now we're like ah, you know. And again, uh, just a little bit cynical, but um, and that's my take, Tim. I, I just don't know that we'll ever be in a place where we get things done the way any of us expect things to get done. Just my thought. Right. What do you think? Do you think we get right? There? Well, it just ain't right because people pay taxes and what what. You got all these politicians in there and nothing yeah, listen, changes. I'm with you. I'm with you. I would love to see somebody get in there and clean house. I just don't know that that's a real thing. I mean, look, Trump went in there and he said, I'm going to clean house. I'm going to drain the swamp. And I believe had Trump gotten eight years, he'd get, he would have gotten so much closer to, to the goal of draining the swamp. But after seeing it and seeing what Trump brought to the table, a guy who 
who stared them down every time they tried to stop them and had the wherewithal and the financial ability to uh, withstand the attacks. He, he did it. His kids were big enough to fight on their own. You know, just imagine if Trump were a younger man that had, you know, a five or six or 10 year old. It'd be difficult. And I know he had Barron, who was, you know, probably 14, 15 at the time he got in, whatever it was. But the younger your kids, the more of a vulnerable uh, position you're in because you're like, man, I got little kids. I've got, you know, my my what my wife's doing this and that. Our family's young. Um, that, that puts you in a vulnerable spot. And I just I just can't imagine how anyone that's in a position like that would be able to fight like Trump had to, because I think anybody who gets that job is going to fight like like that because they're going to come after you. They're going to come after your children. They're going to come after everything that you've got and who you are just to, um, to continue doing what they do, which is, you know, robbing and stealing and not doing things. So, yeah, I'm with you, Tim. I'm frustrated and it's upsetting. And I think the only way we make that change is if we ourselves become that change, right? little Gandhi reference there. Thank you, Tim, in Sparta, Wisconsin, on WIZM. Big shout-out to everybody listening from there. We're going to continue to Cleveland, Ohio. When we come back, I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. In live late night radio, six years in a row. It's Rich Valdez. So we got a spending bill that now has no limit or or cut in spending um, until 2025. In effect, uh, if they need to override any limits that were imposed, they're waivable, right? They can just waive it. Uh, the House did not reject the bill; they passed the bill. It looks like there's nothing that anybody can do to stop the bill. It's it's going to the Senate. Let's see what happens and what they do there. And um, as of now, with the bill being passed, those 87,000 IRS agents are back in play. Let's go to Alice in Athens, Georgia, WGKA. Hi, Alice. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hey, Hey, Rich, I can tell you one reason that uh, Congress doesn't get anything done. They don't want to do anything. They don't want to (laughs) vote because they don't want people to vote against them when they're running for office because the congressman didn't vote the way that person wanted. By definition, when you vote on something, you make half the people mad. And so they've learned that the fewer votes they cast, the less their opposition and the other party has to sling at them. I've heard you know, them say it. It's, it's, it's a sad truth, but you're 100% right. The politicians are unlike others that, that thrive on the public, you know, that you know, even like a guy like me, right? I love talking with the public. I love it that you called the show. But I'm not going to change what I'm saying to make you happy. There's a bunch of people that call here and try to rip me a new one because they don't like what I'm saying. And that's fine. 
And politicians need to have a little bit more spine or backbone that way on both sides, where they're able to stand up to their constituents and say, look, no, that's we're not doing that. We're doing this um, because this is what's right. And when they do this little dance, they don't. Now, again, credit to all of those that did. And at the top of the program tonight, I read off the names of 71 uh, members of Congress in the House that voted uh, against this thing. And and kudos to them. And again, I don't want to make it a black and white thing like, look, I'm I'm either what like they did. But I understand the stand they took. And I understand that, you know, everybody's situation in, in their district is different. And that is the nature of politics. You're right. It's the nature of the beast. They, they have to pick and choose when they're going to tick off half of their constituency or what have you, depending on the district they're from. So, Alice, I think you raise a really good point. Now, let me ask you, um, it was like almost 80 degrees in uh, New York today. What was the weather like in Athens, Georgia? It was warm here. By 3, 4 o'clock, it was around 81 degrees. It was pretty, it got toasty, <laughs> maybe even yeah, up so to 83. Yeah, so far off. Ah, 83 is a little, yeah. I think we got to like 79, um, 80-ish. But um, I'm always wondering. I love the South. I want to relocate to the South. I'm thinking Florida is the place for me. But I, I love all these states. I, I, I spent some time in Atlanta. I really enjoyed it there. Spent some time in North Carolina. Loved it there. Plus, amazing barbecue that they, they season it with vinegar. It's fantastic. Alice, if you haven't tried it, please do. But thank you for your call. You're a darling individual. Thanks for staying up late with us, Alice. Hope you'll call back again soon. Alice in Athens, Georgia. Uh, let us continue. Let's go to Steve. Steve's in Cleveland, Ohio, W-E-O-L. Steve, go right ahead. Rich, you are labeled easy listening of the night. How are you? Thank you, sir. I am wonderful. Go for you, it, man. You, uh, right before last caller, you... I can't say stole my thunder, but probably set a nice path for me. There is no cap on this till 2025. So if Trump does get in, which I hope he does, is anybody in Washington, do they know how to spell negotiation or is it just um, appropriation? I, I, I mean, they are beyond <laughs> Anna Paulina Luna. She's about, I think about 34. She was on somebody somebody's show his first name's steve i'll leave it on there but uh, for what i understand it's uh a studio in a house not too far from um 1600 pennsylvania avenue but they open the doors on a lot of this bill is nothing i mean it does more you take one billion dollars off 80 billion dollars for eighty-seven thousand irs agents i mean here, figure that out real quick. Eighty-seven. We'll just say eighty-five thousand. You have fifty states, so you have thirty-two hundred and fifty counties, if I am mistaken. So eighty-five thousand. Mm-hmm. You have thirty-two hundred. You have thirty-two thousand. So when you take all the zeros, what do you get? Like a couple thousand uh, IRS agents for every state, or for every county, or something like that. I, I mean. And that's, that's just, just the right, beginning right of it, Steve. I mean, right. And and you've also got all of the COVID spending that goes along with that, uh, where they're continuing to do what they have been doing and perpetuating all of this farce. And again, and by the farce, I mean, saying that, you know, we needed X, Y, and Z in order to fix COVID. And, and these X, Ys, and Zs have nothing to do with COVID to begin with. So that, that stuff is all going to continue. Um, billions and billions of dollars in COVID spending, that'll happen, I think, uh, to the tune of, of 
whatever it was, $2 trillion, right? Unbelievable. Steve, I want to thank you for the call. Cleveland, Ohio, W-E-O-L. I always appreciate speaking with you, my brother. There's more to come straight ahead. We're going to go to another part of Ohio when we come back. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, now, um, something that our good friend in Cleveland mentioned was that he was listening to Representative Anna Paulina Luna, uh, who's um, a great congresswoman from Florida, and she actually did her first radio interview the night that she won election to the House of Representatives right here on this program. You can always check that out at uh, Rich Valdez, America at night.com. If you want to hear the interview that she did with us and, uh, always happy to have her back. If anybody's listening, let her know. And I want to continue and, and wrap up with the short time that we have left with our buddy, Paul from Zanesville, Ohio, W H I Z in the middle of the country is jumping tonight. Paul, what's going on, my man. Hey, good evening, Rich. Yeah, you know you had a call screener one time, Kathy Johnson, that told me to slow down a little bit because I get excited. Um, so I'll <laughs> take that advice. And um, uh, I am upset with Joe Biden because he is not taking a more aggressive stance with China. You know, they're sending these aircraft out there. <clears throat> and Gordon Chang said that this is, you know, they're going good to man. do something aggressive to try to start a war. And yeah, and I, I think that, that you know that, that that Biden has to come on, give us a press release, let us know about China and what they're up to because I think that they are our worst enemy right now. They're trying to infiltrate us in any way they can, and I, I we need a president like Trump, you know, who knows what's going on and to take an aggressive stance towards China because they're communists. And my grandfather always said, "Watch them commie bastards." Sorry for that word. Your grandfather is a smart man. Uh, Paul, you're a patriot. I love that. God bless you. Thanks for the call, my man, and uh, everybody listening in Ohio. Folks, that music means it's time for me to wrap, so I say hasta la próxima. Until the next time, take care, good night, and God bless. I am Rich Valdez. We're going to do this again tomorrow. Until then, keep it locked on this station. Don't go anywhere. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen.